Hey everybody, it's another Cleveland Moto Podcast. we got some different lineup in the shop tonight. We've got, uh, to my left is... Steve Hofford. Who has just become the new owner, apparently, of a Zero <coughs> FXS motorcycle. His so MCO accurate. just showed up today. they got the bike will be here on Tuesday. Yep. So way to go. Be the first person to pull the trigger in Cleveland on... It's our first sale, guys. That's our <coughs> first zero sale. Nice. Just letting you know, Steve is the first person we sold it makes zero some zero to. Zero one. That makes yeah. zero one. <laughs> That's what I was exactly. There's something. That's a, it's, you want to be zero because it's a zero, it's but you're zero number one. one. And it's like, uh, well, it's yeah, better I, than less I, than zero. Yeah, yeah, I always have a hard time we telling people like, "Oh, we sold zero motorcycles." Like, "Oh, really? We sold a lot of zero motorcycles." Is I'm what like, I'm, the phrase I'm waiting to. Yeah, make. I'm like, wait, no, no, we sell zero brand motorcycles. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's going to be a lot of fun dealing with the. That term as a term of art, and of course, next to him is Dustin. Yes, and to his left, the one, the only Johnny Chrome. Yes, in cool air conditioned comfort. I'm going to find another yeah, Johnny Chrome, and I'm going to bring him to this podcast. <laughs> and to his left, hi, it's Merit. Yes, <gasps> my oh. goodness, there's another person here. There's a there's a woman with boobs and everything. <laughs> Holy smokes! Amazing! Holy smokes! Guys, there's a female here. It's a totally functional woman in our podcast. <laughs> and to her left, Johnny Mac, feeling uh, fruity. Feeling fruity, he is. He brought a bag of fruit. So you are obviously and a flowered shirt. <clears throat> a flowered shirt. What I'm going to say is, you are. You look like a guy who just is done giving a fuck. I don't give a fuck right well, now. No, you look like a guy who's done giving a fuck. He's, he's got fruity drinks. You look like a guy that needs a cheap camera hanging around your neck. That's what you look like. <laughs> well, no, he's had a tough week. He's trying to get a little vacation relaxation oh, on. He's dressing the part. Fake it till he makes it. <laughs> could we, could we, change, could we trade in your normal podcast chair for like a zero lounger? If I could just be sitting here in my underwear. I'd be, <laughs> or not underwear. <laughs> So uh, we have survived, all of us sitting around this table, have survived the RNC. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, it's dun, a big deal. I mean, it really was a big deal. They predicted riots. They predicted all kinds of trouble. Dude, I am Cleveland proud of this behaved. town. I'm totally really proud of this am. town. Yep. Like, they said there were 12 arrests. I figured, I at least figured sure that the bust-in paid mm-hmm. troublemakers yes. would start a shit show. I agree. And hats off to Chief Everybody. Williams. Everybody. You know, the mastermind of, of trying to hey, squash that. They did. Yeah. They squashed it. What kind of shifts, since we have our very own Cleveland law enforcement official sitting here with today, what kind of shifts do they have you working, Mr. McElfresh? Officer, Officer McElfresh. I worked, uh, like, I was working, like, from 7 in the morning till 5.30. I had four hours off. That was, And then I worked from... 9.30 until 5.30 a.m. the next morning through what? the night. And then I had three oh. hours off. Holy shit. And then I worked 8.30 to 5.30. And then I had a regular I had a regular day. And then just I just came off of working 7.30 to 5.30, four hours off. And then five or 9.30 at night until 1.30 today. Fuck. Jeez. Wow. So, so you were too tired to beat <clears throat> down anybody. No. Just, That's why there were no violence. Yeah. The I cops were all tired. Well, I was just trying to remain. I mean, well, I was, you know, I was just at our, patrolling. our place patrolling, monitoring cameras, video surveillance. Listen, man, I'm so tired. We also I'm had shoot some you. secret service working out of our. You building. can say it now. They're not okay. here anymore. Yeah, there's no longer a secret. They were right. working he, out of our building. As he and looks using around, conspicuous as staging grounds. Now right. these guys were going in, and I laugh because. You know, if there were 4,500 protesters, there were probably actually only 
maybe 2,500 protesters, another 2,000 were plainclothes FBI, <laughs> CIA, <laughs> Secret Service, wow. OSI, Homeland Security, counterintelligence. Like, right. I ran into so many different agencies. And they were all fake in Jamaica, and I right? And I went down the one time just to roll through and just check when they were doing their, they did their roll call, calls in the back, back parking lot of this one facility we have, and... Uh, we pulled back there and it was just like, you wouldn't know that these, these are just all like people hanging out at the beach. One dude had a big red beard and everything. <laughs> and these guys are all operatives. Yeah. Yeah. All operatives. They're all operatives. <laughs> so when you're out there protesting, <clears throat> you're like, yeah, watch what happens when I set off this M80. The guy you're st- saying that to, who looks yeah, like go a ahead. shit bag. Yeah, set it off. Light it off. Right. There's a guy lighting off M80. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Done. There's a guy lighting off M80. Yeah. I see. So Never underestimate was, the sneakiness. It was, a very, from what I could see, a very rigged show. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree it's a very rigged show. So, so did you get any, did you have anything that resembled anything fun or exciting in your entire time? Oh, uh, you know, at one point the protesters did actually come down to exactly where I came. I was listening to, we were using Broadcastify and listening to the RNC on the, on the, over there, streaming it. And they eventually actually did come right down the street to mm-hmm. and then turned down Lakeside where we were. So it was interesting. I mean, you watch the the bicycle guys coming in mm-hmm. in squad. Pat, they were doing squads of like five or six of them, and like all of a sudden, it was like five or six show up, and another five or six, and another. I'm looking on the one camera. I see them phew, phew, flying down the street, and then they set up and they they made a little U-turn for them, so they just corralled them, <coughs> crowd them. They basically what they were doing. If you listen to the thing, it was just like, okay, they're heading down Euclid, they're heading down Euclid. Okay, we're gonna turn them, and then we're gonna turn them, and then we're gonna turn them, and they're gonna go right back into public square. Well, so it's like the guy in Animal House who throws <coughs> the drum major's baton <laughs> and just sort of moves the whole marching band right where he wants to. Yeah. yeah. That's much it. And then, you know, then by the end of the week, it was like, you know, then the news was actually reporting that there was more news, yeah. more media there than protesters. Right. Which is very metro- metaphysical. Or it is. It's it's hard to conceive, but I agree. Hey. What? Did you guys have any? Look how much news coverage is that in Oberlin? As a result of that? That was the news. I don't know. I was running a loader moving shit around, so. <laughs> Protesters weren't yeah. anywhere near yeah. your joint. <laughs> the, uh, we've had, we just couldn't drive across the bridge that we normally drive across to get to our east side shop. That was really the only inconvenience. I had to drive around it. Yeah, that was shitty. Yet you could, uh, yeah, yet you could come off of 71 northbound and drive across the same bridge they wouldn't let you drive across from 90 right go figure uh so that was weird and strangely ineffective but what i did was monday was the bikers for trump and uh so monday was the big day for bikers for trump we have this place in cleveland called rock and roll harley davidson and what it is is they took like a normal little harley davidson shop that sold harley davidson's and hondas right down the street from our shop here today and they gave the owner an ultimatum. Either spend $3 million on your facility or we're going to take away your Harley-Davidson franchise. You can't just be here and be efficient yes. and make lots of money. Right. <laughs> How to, dare you just sell Harley-Davidson? And it wasn't old. I mean, that shop was established probably when? At least 50 years old. Yeah. That so shop that's, that's, the way, were on, that's the way they treat their 50-year-old dealers. Right. Yeah, they were on yeah. 150. Fifth, when I was a little kid. Yeah, they've been on that. They've been in that location for at least thirty years that I can count on. And I've, you know, I've gone in there for parts and service and stuff for years and years and years. So the point is, here's a fifty-year-old legacy dealership that was told either update your facility to our standards, make it into this giant, you know, circus, or you're no longer a dealer. And he said, take it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so another group that's not even a Cleveland group uh, purchased a building 
and calls it Rock and Roll Harley Davidson, and they're you know they're down the street here, and they did the whole thing, you know, multi-story looking building and big you know tall glass ceilings and the whole nine, yep. a bunch of wasted space. It's your typical. They made it a hog palace. They did make it a hog palace. <laughs> Boy, did they ever make it a hog palace? You've heard about the cow palace. This is the hog palace. The I was just by the cow palace. Yes, you were you were literally out there by the cow palace. <laughs> I'm sure you drove past it a couple of times too. It's a sign anyway. Yeah, the uh, they really did, and so that was where they were doing the headquarters for the Bikers for Trump rally, and the Bikers for Trump <clears throat> group Facebook page, whatever you want to call it, they were calling for 2,500 to 5,000 bikers is what they were calling for. I went down there Monday morning as scheduled, 9.30 a.m. Monday morning, there was a, a pretty good thunderstorm that rolled through here at about 0500. And uh, I got down there about 9.30 as they recommended. I was on a Zero FX. I was on an electric bike. I wore my uh, Desert Storm ACUs. And I wore... It was no doubt if you looked at me that I was a, a veteran. I figured that that would be a very... <coughs> thing to be wearing around yes. these people. Yes. And I did not want to wear a black leather jacket and try to blend in with the other do-rag fraternity or whatever's down there. Uh, do-rag or do-bag? Do-rags and do-bags. You didn't want to do it your way. You didn't want to patch up or patch in? I didn't want to patch, patch in up or, or patch in, in or tune in, turn out or whatever. <laughs> do-rags yeah. and do-bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't... You that whole patch thing. I didn't want to be a part of all, any of it, so... A three-patch jacket versus a four-patch? I was. Mm-hmm. I, I would have worn my 18-patch jacket, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have cared about what scooter rallies I went to. <laughs> <laughs> they really wouldn't have given a small fuck. <laughs> what the... What the... They would have noticed one small patch on the shoulder God, I drank a truckload of that beer back in my exactly. day. <laughs> they, uh, so I went down and I got to the site. I got to the location. There were about 12 motorcycles there. And uh, the staff was refusing to push motorcycles out because it was still drizzling. 1,200 motorcycles. 12, no, 12 units. One, two, zero. Yeah, one, two. One, two. 12 motorcycles. Yeah. Yes. 12 yes. Motorcycles. Yeah, 10. Not quite Slightly a score. Under- Not even a baker's a dozen. dozen. Right. A oh, true okay. dozen. There were a dozen bikes at 930. And the management seemed to be <coughs> reluctant to bring out the other bikes that were going to be ridden down there because it was still lightly drizzling out, and they didn't want to have to clean those things again. And uh, I can respect that because cleaning's no fun. And then uh, I hung around until about 10 o'clock, and they decided they were going to postpone things due to the weather. And a lot of the out-of-town people and visitors weren't coming in as the time had mandated that they would, so they decided to postpone it again. Apparently permits were pulled. They were making a big deal about the permits. And at some point, uh, as more people started to show up, and there were never more than 100, ever, uh, as some people said something about Some of the guys had chosen to, had made an elected to open carry. And uh, for those of you who are not aware with Ohio law, Open carry is not a new thing here. We've been able to open carry since about the Stone Ages. Cowboy style. Cowboy style yeah. is what we call it around here. It's just called cowboy style. So if you're going to go to a reenactment, a Civil War reenactment, or a Wild West reenactment, or you're working at Cedar Point and being one of the cowboys that shoots at the um, passing riverboats, they don't do that anymore. I wish they did. But uh, oh, that's my favorite. Frontier, frontier land. land. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Frontier town. The uh, <laughs> Yeah. But... Open carry or cowboy carry is something we've been able to do here a long time, right? And they said that they did recommend that if you were open carrying to not, if you had nowhere to lock the lock your weapons up, that the dealership would allow you to put them there, lock them up under lock and key there. But they didn't want to have people in the group open carrying because that would draw unnecessary attention to them. 
We're the bikers for Trump, not the open carry for Trump. We just want to make that distinction. There was definitely bikers for Trump. They were not wearing T-shirts to that effect. But they did have a lot of very colorful T-shirts that were like Harley T-shirts with like negative Hillary ramifications on them. So like, <laughs> do get that. There was just all kinds of crazy crap. So, but they were they were pretty wired up. They're well, pretty. There wasn't all up. kinds of it because there weren't that many. There weren't enough to warrant. We've had bigger parties in our backyard. Right. Enough enough set on that one <laughs> for this to be like some national organization. <clears throat> so uh, I had other things to do, and they weren't moving anytime soon. So I went and did some deliveries, and I uh, got in touch with one of the guys who was tweeting feverishly every single activity that they did. So uh, I figured that was great. He was very socially aware, and so yeah, I went and did a couple of deliveries, and I finally got word that they were heading. They were leaving Rock and Roll Harley Davidson only about three hours late, and they were headed downtown, and I knew where they were headed for downtown, so I figured, well, this is a perfect opportunity for me to jump on a zero and shoot downtown like you can on a zero. And so I silently, surreptitiously, stealthily found my way downtown, got through all the normal roadblocks and shit they had set up because I was on a zero, uh, pulled up in front of the area where the bikers from for Trump had said they were going to congregate, and uh, there was a... a stage and stuff set up there and they said they were going to congregate at that location I got to location, found 9 or 10 awesome state troopers that were down there wanted to talk nothing about, they just wanted to talk about the bikes so they saw the zero and they were all jazzed about it and we talked and I mean, you know, I have some things in common with these people, I went to the same academy that they did and so I introduced myself made friends, talked to them I said, aren't there supposed to be some Harleys coming down here? He goes, oh yeah, there's going to be like between 2,500 and 5,000 Harley Davidsons coming down here today I went, wow, man, where are you going to put all these guys? He goes, well, there's an area set up right over there where the Trump uh, supporters can line up, and there's this area over here where the Trump protesters are already lined up, and we keep waiting for these Harleys guys to show up, but they're kind of late. Okay, great. Well, then a little while later, you could hear the the sound of the thunder of at least 75 Harley-Davidson motorcycles, (laughs) and uh, they all showed up at the same time, and there was some kerfuffle over where they were going to be, and the state troopers were more than happy to remind them maybe with a certain sense of awesomeness, that they were not going to be lining their motorcycles up between the protesters and the stage the way they said they were, revving their exhausts violently at the protesters and scaring them back under the rocks from whence they came. No, the state troopers said, no, you're more than welcome to park your motorcycles in any of the legal parking areas, behind the courthouse, under the convention center, or the muni lot over there. You go park your motorcycles where the it's legal to do so. Lot. Yep. How unglamorous. It's extremely unglamorous. <laughs> it's a very long walk in black leather in a 95-degree day with nothing but direct sunlight and not a single fluffy big white hat in sight. The, uh, nobody brought any sombreros. There was not enough SPF 50. There was no sort of shade. It was all black leather. And so they, were, they immediately were deprived of their motorcycles. And ma- <laughs> and then they were made to walk on their feet from where their motorcycles were caged to where they were caged as supporters of the Trump. What's that one, buddy? Happy? John's offering fruit. It's a Seagram's escape. Escape. Jamaican happy. Escape. Because <laughs> Jamaican me crazy was already taken. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, all the uh, black leather clad biker pirates. All came wow. down and stood in the area. A lot of them tried to migrate into the protesters' area, mm-hmm. at which point they were stopped by various different elements of law enforcement, meaning that there was so much law enforcement. 
The shadow of one cop fell onto the shadow mm-hmm. of another cop at all times. And these were just the right uniform on. ones. These are the uniform ones. Apparently not John's secret squirrels that we just heard about. Right. The, uh, there were just many undercover yeah. agents. Yeah. Every agency had their own undercover agents. I saw thousands of covered agents. Well, not undercover. As it should covered. be. I mean, yeah. Above cover. And that's, that wording doesn't quite really doesn't work, work out, does work it? That way. But it was so, really cool to be down there, though, when yeah. you see like a squad, like yeah. four or five troopers from yeah. Arkansas, whatever, and they just they're running around. They go walking through. Yeah, they're just cruising around. They go, then uh, somebody, you know, like all the different sheriffs, like but packs it like squads. Did like you notice too? Times. I had interacted with a lot of them because I w- I went down there multiple occasions on the yeah. zero because the zero I've learned is the ultimate. You're not there, dude. You're not there. They don't know what to make of you. I was on the sidewalk by Ohio State well, Patrolman. You are under 150 cc. Yeah, I am clearly under 150 cc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You're zero I actually, cc's. I actually what had. Do with that, I actually huh? had a trooper ask me that question, and I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Well, you know, in Ohio, we have a law now, 451106, that says we're allowed to have you know vehicles under 150 cc's on the sidewalk." And he goes, "Wow." And he goes, and this is electric, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, so you can ride that anywhere. Nice. I said, Trooper, you're exactly right. Yeah, like, could you say that again into my recording <laughs> device, please? Exactly. Speaking yeah. of the flower. <laughs> <laughs> and then it squirts. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, well, that's great that that was his, you know. It was great. And I had a couple of troopers ask me about it. The prettiest trooper I've ever seen in my life, an Ohio State trooper, she came up and asked about the zero. She had red hair. No, she's blonde. <laughs> about five foot six. Yep. And she was traveling. She was on foot patrol with a guy that I'm absolutely certain they make her go on foot patrol with. He was a black dude, about six foot fourteen, and, and he was wearing Google glasses. He's the only person I've ever seen wearing Google glasses. If you're a trooper and you're listening to this, or if you know this trooper, this is like this is a black trooper. He's like six four at least, and he wears Google glasses when he's on the job. Like it's that little glass lens that's right off the side of your eyeglasses, and. Uh, they were super cool, and they were really, really interested in the zero. And they asked the six important questions that we developed at uh, Mid-Ohio. Uh-huh. They asked all six of them. They had it nailed down. So we were like, ooh, they know what Somebody's they're talking about. Somebody's been doing their homework. Yes, they have. So that was fun. We, it was a really kick-ass time. And, uh, but I was very impressed by the protesters that I met, which were cordoned off in by where the uh, horse stables are. For the police stables. And they have this little piece of worthless property that's uh, just south of the shoreway in view of the lake that they had given up for like maybe 40 tents to be on. And these were truly the greasy, crunchy, stinky protesters. And they were. I went, I went, I went over, and yeah, they had all things covered. They had fire sticks, they had hacky sacks. They had. They weren't allowed to have open fires. Oh, that broke their hearts. All those, all yep. those ones that are still feeling the burn. Yep. Huh. And the city of Cleveland I mean, provided them with a water truck, with potable water, with little fountains and shit cool. built into it. It's really cool. Went down and talked to them, and of course, yeah, because none of them yeah. decided to take a bath in it. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my old <laughs> on Friday they brought down fire trucks. If it was like going to be bad at all, if I would, yeah. if I was Donald Trump, I would, yeah. there were all these protests because they. We had a whole park set up for them over there by the one pump station. They were like, it was. That's the Kirtland pumping station. So right beside it, I forget the name of the park. That's where I was. Okay, so right right beside it is that park. Right next to Kirtland pumping station. You know, we were envisioning that whole thing being. there There were 40 tents. Yeah. There were 40 tents. There were maybe 60 people. Had the turnout been anything like what everybody thought it was going to be, I was like, I would, if I'd have been Donald Trump, I would have sent six 
beer trucks down there. Oh, yes. Pulled them up. Yes. Unfolded a stage. Absolutely. Had maybe like Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg. Yep. Absolutely. Boom. Except Boom. They wouldn't come Bootsy Collins throwing dubs out of the bed. But you yeah. could. But I'll bet you there's enough. <laughs> so why? You have Scott Bayo down there. So why was it also under? Sorry. People. Attention? I don't think people could bother to give a fuck. I think they look at this election right now so far as being a lost cause. Yep. And our that our own just, governor doesn't give a right, shit. Right. Yeah, I he think didn't even show up. Well, I think there's a general state. I think up. there's yeah. a combination yeah. of a sense of apathy and also a sense of helplessness and also, like, <laughs> this is not even real anymore. We well, can't control this or have a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you can't get what there everybody, from here. Right. Or you can't get there from here. Exactly. What everybody thought was that there was going to be a massive turnout from Black Lives Matter. Right, uh, that sure. Movement. Yeah. What took the wind out of the sails is the shootings, police shootings in Dallas, right. and Minnesota, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, or Baton yeah. Rouge, Baton Rouge, yeah, Baton, Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, eh, that that kind of tempered it, and it kind of was like, okay, everybody's getting killed here. So it all yeah. made it, that all was so real, like real things happened, yeah. and so people all coming out and shaking their big sticks around didn't sound so funny because something. Really I mean, it's happened. amazing how many people were have been like, thank you for your service, thank you for this, mm-hmm. you guys are yeah. awesome. Thank yeah. you. I mean, like, it was an outpouring of they had prayer genuine support from the public. I rarely <clears throat> ever have anybody try to give me, a, you know, right. <laughs> you know, occasionally, but mostly, uh, a lot of people are just very happy, and they're like, you guys are good, we're awesome. Yeah. Well, I think Cleveland as a whole does a much better job than most other cities I've been in of respecting each other. And I've made that distinction too. Cleveland's a different demographic. <laughs> Cleveland, it does. I mean, Cleveland's yeah. a much different city than than you know, yeah. than what Ferguson was and stuff like that. Like, our I got a flat tire in East Cleveland back in the '90s, in the early '90s, when it was just like open gunfire type mentality. And I got a flat tire in a motorcycle in East Cleveland. I walked up to a, a a door of a house, and I was just like, "Well, here goes nothing. No phone, no cell. You know, no pager, no cell phone, no way to reach out for communication." I got a flat tire on a motorcycle. What am I going to do? I'm not going to push it all the way out of East Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I went up and knocked on a door. Guy came to my door. Came, he said, how you doing? Can I help you? And I said, I've got my motorcycle. says flat tire. I'm right out in front. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. Let me put my uh, let me put my clothes on, and I'll come out, and we'll push it. This is like 1 o'clock in the morning. He said, well, let's push it in off the street. You can push it in my driveway, and uh, you can make a phone call for wherever you need. Gave me his landline, <clears throat> and I sat on his porch and waited on his porch, and he came out and gave me a you know, glass of water, and I waited on his porch until my ride showed up. And that's in a neighborhood that a lot of people will say, don't go there. Well, Clevelanders don't flip yeah. cars over and burn they things. Don't. They no, just, we don't. And, we, and really, we get along pretty well. And we respect our own shit. Yeah. We don't want our own stuff to be broken. Because right. we look at that police cars, we, we kind of own that. Well, that's, I mean, there's this movement, you know, uh, circle our city with love. And I think, you know, that... Yeah. Cleveland has shown its true colors, right. and finally, you know, both with the you know the Cavs thing and this right. now, not the winning of the Cavs thing, but how the city behaved. No, and the parade was amazing. I think yeah. we, I'm very proud yeah. of our city through both of those things, and I think it's just like a new, it's a new time for Cleveland that we don't have to be ashamed. No longer we're we ashamed moved. anymore. We've Maybe made, we're not the mistake. We've transcended the anymore, ma- mistake right? on the lake. Right, right on. No, we're no longer the mistake. Now we're really? the city of champions, the city of yeah. Oh, there's something to be said for it. I can love. tell you that yeah. the attitude was pretty amazing. The, the attitude that I got from people downtown was surprising to me. Yeah. And I can definitely tell you what John said. I'll echo it. I saw people approaching law enforcement officers. 
of all different stripe. And I mean, we're telling you, there were cops from Texas. There were cops from every fucking where in our city. <clears throat> brought in by the busload. There were mounted police from every goddamn place. Uh, I saw people going up and protesters that were, sent, that were wearing, like, incredibly nasty anti-Trump stuff that were going up to cops and just saying, how you doing? You know, I got two bottles of water. You want one? Like, that kind of thing. Awesome. Or just being cool and just being like, wow, you're from Texas. Holy crap, you're a police officer and you came from Texas to here to, to provide for our safety. And the police officers that I talked to said that their whole rule is to minimize any situation and to de- de-escalate anything and to make as little arrests as absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. To let people have as much rope as they could have until it becomes dangerous to the point where they have to make an arrest. The defining moment, though, was <clears throat> did you see the, the the police lieutenant and when they were doing the flag burning? And so the guy pulls out the flag, and then, like, another guy is squirting lighter fluid the on it. The scheduled flag burn. The scheduled flag burn. Which I thought burn. was hilarious. Sir, sir you're on fire. <laughs> no, no. Sir, you've set yourself on fire. You're on fire, fire stupid! <laughs> it's awesome. He did, he did set out to burn a flag. He succeeded in only burning himself. Because <laughs> it turns out flags are harder to burn than people. <laughs> He's trying to like, put the guy out. The guy's like kind of... Frozen. No, I mean, legitimately. You're on fire, stupid! Yeah. The, cop was, the cop was 100% only trying to put the fella out. I mean, it's clearly... The cops saw the guy was on fire. So he's a lieutenant, right? He's a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. White, lieutenant. Shirt. White shirt. Yeah. The lieutenant saw that the guy was on fire. The lieutenant was literally trying to put the fella out. And I think the, the fella was so ready for somebody to abuse him for burning the flag. This is this particular douche yeah. nozzle's claim to fame yeah. is burning an American flag. Oh, so he just goes around he and does that everywhere he goes? 1980 was the first one? or 19, oh. I forget. He's the one that the set the precedent that says it's okay to do that. I have burnt so many American I, flags, but that's the correct way to dispose of an American flag. You have to dismember it first. You have to cut I it have apart done first. It, I've done it for flag. I've done it for honor guard. I've, I have done it as Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. I have terminated disused relics mm-hmm. of American flags that are just no longer functional, or they rent up my neighbor's yard for 15 years and they look like a freaking pennant. <laughs> you know? And one year, our, our Boy Scout troop went around to the neighborhood and gave everybody that had a rotten, nasty flag hanging up there, we gave them new flags, and we burned their old ones. So you know what? If you want to burn a flag, we really don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck, and I'm a person that stood up for this country. Uh, it I give a fuck, but I wouldn't beat somebody up over I wouldn't think that it's, it's, it's not really that breaking the law. I think it's this day. Well, it's their ignorance, I mean, because it's... Ironic to burn the flag, which symbolizes if, if giving exactly you, giving you, <laughs> you the right to burn this nation the flag. So, bad, so, you so you're burning your right to burn the flag. I mean, Canada it doesn't make is a sense. Beautiful but, place right up north, right, and yeah. Mexico if you want it warm. I tell you, I have no problem. I have no problem with any of that. I was just as a whole, I was pretty like, and from the motorcycle tactic of being able to move around, being like being sort of invisible and ambulatory, and going all the places where they told me we couldn't go. And that was cool. The bike gave me the ability to do that. And that was pretty rad. I liked that a lot. Um, that was sweet. I have it on good authority. If you're stopped and say they say you can't be here, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go, well, that officer back there said it was okay. There's usually a good chance that when there's a lot of law enforcement you around... You pull that move. <laughs> you better hope it works. The more law enforcement officers well, are around... The better your chances are of that working. You're just saying, I'm just going where that guy told me to go. He said I could come down this way. He said I yeah. should come this yeah. way and go down to that street and make a right. Okay, all right. Yeah. 
always have a sense of purpose. <laughs> if you look like you know where you're going, you have to, like you you have to say it with conviction, that. though, yeah. and you have to believe it. I believed it. You, yes, I, you did. You believed it, huh? I believe in me. Hey, yeah. The uh, the next I thing I want. I believe I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> so then, after that somewhat you have positive experience, not sleep this week, Jen. It's okay. You're gonna get. Okay. You're gonna catch up on all that sleep tomorrow, aren't you? Oh, tonight. Tonight. Tonight is it. The 13 hour sleep fest. All these fruity sauces. All right. They're all gonna be. <laughs> just gonna translate into a coma. At some knock point. your ass right out. The. Uh, I went from that rather positive experience to a not so positive experience. I went to a uh, went to a, a couple of bike nights this week. I went to one that was at a Harley Davidson dealership, and uh, I went to another one that was at Quaker Steak and Lube. <laughs> and the one that was at Quaker Steak and Lube, I actually had somebody tell me I was riding a Guzzi, and I had somebody tell me I went to the one in Mentor, or Mentor, which is usually about ninety nine point nine seven six percent Harley Davidson. And, uh, boy, you just made a slushy, John. That's beautiful. I told you I put them in a the freezer for a reason. God, look at that thing. That is not head. That is an ice flow. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, man. That's awesome. That's art. That's just, like, that's just the coolest thing ever, man. When you're a little kid, you get that poke out of the freezer <laughs> yeah. and it's all slushified. Do you remember those stupid cups? The insulated oh, cups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, you put them in the freezer yeah. and then you... We still have one of those, I think. <laughs> Roaming around the house. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, when I went in, I had a Moto Guzzi, and I went to Harley Davidson. I went to a Quaker Steak and Lube event that happened to have a booth there that was a sponsor. Like, they paid some money to have a booth at Quaker Steak and Lube for the local Harley Davidson shop. I won't name their name, Western Reserve Harley Davidson. And uh, this fellow walks up to me and says, Hey, fucking motorcycle is that? And a goddamn Harley fucking fucking." Fucking rice burners and shit. I don't even know why they fucking come here, man. It's a noodle burner. They got no reason to be here. Pasta burner. (laughs) And he was really salty about the fact that I had brought an Italian motorcycle. And uh, I I normally I've I've heard that about as many times as I've heard get a real bike fag. I mean, I'm pretty insulated (laughs) to it at this point. I've been I've been taking shit I've been taking shit for my two wheel decisions for a very long time. So I'm very used to it, and I do not judge myself based on what is under me. and But in this particular case, I was riding a Motor Guzzi that I very much love. And I'm very proud of, and I really dig it. And I think it's a great example of an awesome, giant, big cruiser bike that makes fast noises and goes real quick. It, it, it would be hard for me at that round. moment to say, get on your fucking bike right now. We're going to go fucking yeah. race, and I'm going to rub your nose. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I don't care but what you, you brought here, because I've looked around this parking There's lot. No, you don't There's have. There's nothing here that has a chance against what I'm riding. Not even a, a hint of a chance at right. what I'm writing. Burnouts, wheelies. No, we're not going to do any of that. Races, the freeway's right there. The freeway, right. twisties, turns. Right. What do you want to do? Whoever gets the 615. You name it. Whoever gets the 615 first gets the other one's bike. <laughs> Except you wouldn't want it. Oh, no, I would want it. There's it's always things like, that can be done to okay, anybody. So yeah. this guy was, it was a lot He was extremely shitty. He was extremely shitty. All right. So then I just asked him. I said, wait a second. I said, well, what did you write here? And he points over to a Super Glide. And I said, okay, you've got a Super Glide. You have the cheapest, you have the cheapest big block Harley Davidson that money can buy, right? You, you technically have a big wait, twin. Wait, wait, is it a nice, cool antique? Is it- no, 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 no. It's a 99. Wow. It's a cookie cutter bike. It's an 05. I'm sorry. It's, it's a an cookie 05. cutter bike then. It's an 05. Yeah, I rode 05. my first Super Glide this week. That's right. You did ride and the there first were probably how many 
dozen other ones. It was a super glide, like, but it had wide glide shit all over it. Yeah, yeah it was a super glide. Go figure. Fourteen hundred cc, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't cool. matter. The point is, he was really shitty, and so I asked. Ugh. I went over and talked to some other people and said, "Hey, does anybody know him?" And some people knew him, and I said, "Well, he basically told me I needed to leave." Quote your event. Is this your event, or are you just a sponsor, <clears throat> just hanging out, being a sponsor, like we all sponsor shit? And uh, he said, well, that's Tim. And, you know, Tim's going to say what Tim's want to say. But you know, I said, well, he told me I should pretty much leave because I wasn't riding a Harley Davidson. He goes, oh, you're not riding a Harley Davidson? And I was like, can you not tell from my lack of flair? You know? <laughs> I don't and uh, I did not wear any Harley Davidson <laughs> swag. So the guy was like, no, no. He goes, can you not tell from how many pieces of clothing no. clothing I'm wearing that say Motoguchi? Yeah. Well, at the time, I was only wearing one. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been dropped off by a 16-year-old on a moped. You have but, no uh, ass, leather, t- leather pants. <laughs> but but the, guy, the guy basically told me, he says, he goes, well, he goes, this is a Harley event. And I said, really? Shit. <laughs> I was like, this is a Harley event. And he goes, yeah, this is a Harley event. Wait, you're at Quaker State? I was at Quaker fucking State in Loop. That's not a Harley event. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a pretend petroleum a company joint. that sells wings. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's a bike night for any bike. <laughs> right, they have a car night on Friday. Right. They have a bike night on Thursday. It's not a Chevy night. Right. They have all kinds of weird motorcycles hanging from the ceiling. Right. So what did <laughs> you say to that? Night. So he I said just, basically you should go. Yeah, he told me I should fuck off and that I wasn't riding the right kind of motorcycle to participate in their ultra-hot wings. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, I said, really? And so I I went in to the Quaker Steak and I said, I said, you know, I said, what is that asshole out there paying you for sponsorship? The guy in the tent. The guy with the booth. The guy with the, you know, the, the 16-foot trailer. Who set up a pop-up tent who and has the name of his shop? The manager. All right. So I asked the manager and I said, "What's it cost to be here? I own a shop. I'm considering sponsoring it." And he goes, "Well, it's about twelve hundred dollars." I said, "Twelve hundred dollars for a Thursday night?" He says, "Yeah." I said, "So if I give you fifteen hundred, I can have next Thursday night's event." He goes, "Well, I don't know if we wrote a contract with them." I said, well, did you get a right of contract with them so they get every single Thursday? I said, because I think I'd like to have the next Thursday, and I'm going to kick out every fucking Harley-Davidson that shows up here. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm sorry, this is a non-Harley-Davidson event. And I'm going to advertise uh, uh, it as such. This is a Moto Guzzi event. No. All 12 of us are going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an everything except Harley-Davidson event. friends. Right. And if you show up on your Harley-Davidson, you'll be kindly asked to get the fuck out. No, I'm sorry. We'll have a chain set up. And we'll have a guy standing out front. You wouldn't do that. Of course I wouldn't, because I'm not an asshole. He's That's just proving it. My point was just the point was that his point was silly. You're right. So my point was that his point was silly, and so the guy said, the manager said, as I taunted him into doing by using the words that I chose because I do speak this language, he said, "Well, was somebody somebody making you feel not welcome here?" And I said, "Well, yes. I, said, I, I was in fact, I was told that I should not show up because I'm not riding a Harley Davidson." He goes, "Well, there's all kinds of motorcycles in the parking lot that aren't Harley Davidsons." And I said, "You know what? That statement was true four months ago, but I'm going to tell you that statement is not true today because the attendance at the event had dropped dramatically. And whereas before there were tons of Kawasaki's and Hondas and everything else, yeah. and it was a very mixed bag." But I noticed that last night when I went to the event that it was, there was one Kawasaki Vulcan, there was one Honda Shadow, and there was my Moto Guzzi. And Those everything like else. Be like 5, bucks. So do you think well, the ones in the valley still are. But what had happened is, because I, I know we're all going to get to this anyway because we're smart people, 
what had happened is the <coughs> local east side Lake County Harley Davidson rider group of people that like to hang out at this bike night have essentially made the people who aren't riding Harley Davidsons feel uncomfortable enough that they have voluntarily chose to not attend. And I have been to this bike night before where the entire parking lot was full. We're talking 1,200 to 1,800 bikes, no problem. Okay? I've been to the one in the valley where there have been legitimately 5,000 bikes there. Mixed bag, all are welcome. Right? This event last night had maybe 200 bikes. So they're nowhere near the capacity that they could, would, or should be. People will tolerate a douchebag if he's just over there doing right. his douchebag thing. But when the douchebag is actually going to come up to you and, and interact with you yeah. in this douchebag way, you're going to be like, you know what? I don't need douchebags. <clears throat> no, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go. I'm not even, I'll just stay home. Do you know and that's exactly like, why we started the non-douchebag bike night exactly. years ago. <laughs> Tuesday nights. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, it was our answer to that situation. All but eight of us. I did want to bring it. Right, that's true. Sometimes there was 12. Yeah, sometimes we get as many as 12 people. And that's how many non-douchebags ride motorcycles. But hey, we fit really good in close quarters. Well, but that's why I wanted to bring when we this go for, up. When we go for dirty wings. We're nimble. Right. We are. We're agile. We're, we're, we don't need road captains or anything. We just go. We're just like, we just scamper around. So here's my point. My point is, I believe that in the 80s, there was brand identity because you had a Harley or you didn't. You had a non-Harley. Okay? So there was the Harley guys and then there was everybody else. And then the motorcycle craze kind of died in the late 80s. It, it fell off dramatically and it didn't come back until the mid-90s was when the motorcycle thing started coming back. Because when I was a police officer in like 1992, <clears throat> there were only three motorcycles behind our police department. Right now, there's 25 behind the same police department. So motorcycling took a dip, and it did come back in the mid '90s. There was a huge resurgence to it. <clears throat> I am going to postulate that right now, Harley Davidson owners are no longer perceived as being the cool guys. That in fact they've turned into a joke, or as a result of the South Park episode. As a result of the, the South Park episode, the South Park episode <laughs> as a result of the movie Wild Hogs, as a result of a lot of stuff, that the weekend warrior guy wearing the chaps and the H like the H O G patches, where he's wearing ninety seven pieces of flair, and he's on his motorcycle that has ninety as uh, John Chrome says ninety seven squashed birds on it, all the screaming eagle shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we now, we prejudge those people when they walk up. That when somebody walks up looking like that, we kind of snigger to ourselves and go, oh boy, it's one of those guys. And I think that their cool has been co-opted. And I don't think they like it one bit. And I think that the guys that bought the Street Glide and bought the $400 leather jacket and bought the chaps... And bought $3,000 with the little one-inch pins and badges and shit to put on their, their vest. I think those guys feel like, I paid my price for admission. I bought all the things you told me to buy. I was at the Harley dealership. I gave them 10% of my income like I'm supposed to tithe. <laughs> I thought that was church. It fucking is church. Have you not been there? There's way more people at the Harley dealership on a Sunday than there are at church. I guarantee it. Yeah. You don't see 57 Harley-Davidsons parked in front of your local Baptist church. They're all at the Harley dealership. $1.39. $1.39 for a giant MDD ice. A Bud Ice. Bud Ice. 
So I guess I think I guess my thing is those guys are becoming ultra defensive, and I think they guy I think those guys feel like their territory. They bought their they bought their ticket. They paid their price for admission. Yeah. And now they're not getting the respect they thought came along with it. Wait. Well, the problem is, is they lost. I, I know exactly when they lost the respect. I yeah. paid the cost to be cool, damn it. <laughs> no, it's when it's when the doctors and lawyers and those kind of guys started buying Harleys. Yeah. And then they they pushed away the rest of the entire community. Anybody else on a bike? Yeah. I mean, even the old Harley guys even would have... They had a mutual understanding with everybody else on the road. I yeah. mean, and it was, and they're the cool ones, the ones that that lived and died by their bikes yeah. and repaired you their bikes and did everything. These guys are totally disconnected from yeah. the bike. They they're not part of the bike. They're yeah. part of the the uh, uh, like the dress of the bike, but they don't yeah. have anything the to do with industry. the bike. Yeah, as I said, the marketing victims, the sheeple. Yeah, right. that's a good way to yeah. put it. <clears throat> but I really, and I also think that maybe those guys. Feel threatened by because there was a fellow yeah. that came in and they are disciples of the great Willie G. Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> you say that, but it's fucking true because a guy came in on an Indian 111, which is this brand new chieftain top of the line motorcycle that gets all of their buyers from people that used to own Harley Davidsons. When we sell Moto Guzzi 1400s at our shop, we are going to take a Harley Davidson and on trade, that's part of the deal. We grin and bear it. At the Indian dealership, they're doing the same thing more frequently. Every bike that gets traded in there on a Chieftain or a big block bike is a Harley Davidson. Every bike that gets traded in on a little Scout, that's probably something else, you know. And those guys, the Harley Davidson marketing sheeple, they don't want. They don't want to talk to you if you're on an Indian. They don't want to hang out with you if you're on a Scout or if you're on a Victory, because they look at you as competition. They don't own stock in the fucking company, but they look at you as competition. And I've noticed that behavior now more and more. My question is, are we becoming too segregated? Are the sport bike guys just being sport bike guys? Are the BMW guys just being BMW guys? Are well, the, that's a whole other thing. Oh, you bet your ass it is. There's <laughs> no, a big old rally in New are, York this yeah, week. I mean, yeah. those guys. They all got I together mean, in one spot. But they're as they're as clickish as yeah. the BMW guys are as clickish as the Harley guys. Yeah, I mean, and the British bike guys. My yeah, my motorrad is Gefolgt mit allen. These guys are not. A, <laughs> the, these guys, Akron, Cleveland sport bike riders, sure, will accept anybody, any bike. Really, it doesn't really matter what you are. There's sport bikes, cruisers, and they have the word sport bike in their name. Right. But they're cool. But they're they totally non-denominational. No, they, and they're very and they, and actually the first thing they do every year is have a parking lot session with low speed cornering and uh, training really to get people to are to you get, kidding uh, me? Acclimated like to riding their bike. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. No, and what's the this best, group called? It's it's, uh, it's called the Ac- it's a meetup group. It's yeah. called Akron Canton or Akron Cleveland Sport, Sport Bike. Riders. Sport Is riders that a M E E T or M E A T? M E E T. It's a meetup. I, well, guess, meet up yeah. I mean, there's I, another one, North Coast 99ers, that is. Yeah, but those guys very similar. Aren't as those guys used to be pretty pretty good, but there's nobody really participates in that. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in it, but it, it kind of had its ups and downs. But those are the real guys. And, those Akron guys, hey. it's the best. They go on Phil. long rides. 
They do everything. Hey, John, do you think that the North Coast 99ers are called the North Coast 99ers because they're 99 percenters instead of one percenters? Hey. Does that make sense? Do you think that maybe is why they're called that? Or is it just some weird other thing I'm not getting? Because I would totally name a club the 99 percenters because I am completely a 99 percenter. <laughs> I am totally a 99 percenter. There is no chance. Of, I am <clears throat> only a one percenter when compared to normal fucking people. Like, like I don't even want to be like... Did you see the Chinese scooter in the back with the 1% sticker on it? No! <laughs> really? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! That's hilarious! The, the, the diamond, the 1% The 1%er diamond. diamond on a Chinese scooter. Yeah, it's the 1% that's still that's running. That's it to <laughs> That is hirarious. So when they say exa- oh, exactly what does 1%er mean? Like, that's like... 1%er is very basic. 1%. It's years and years ago. The AMA made a statement of saying that the American Motorcyclist Association represents... <clears throat> Good quality, wholesome motorcycling. Ninety nine percent of the people out there riding motorcycles are not bad dudes. Ninety nine percent of the people out there riding motorcycles are wonderful people who are embracing motorcycles as a hobby, recreation, or form of transportation. And they're meeting nice people on Hondas. That's true. And it's the one (laughs) percent. It's the one percent that are the troublemakers and are giving the rest of us a bad name. And so immediately, all the clubs are like, all the clubs went, dude, you did our marketing for us. Thank you. So and then the vanners picked up the two percenter thing, which I just thought was awesome. <laughs> the what? The, the van culture. So in the van culture, keep on vanning. Yeah, the van culture, the boogie vans, and everything else. That culture uh, defines themselves as being their little thing, as they call themselves, two percenters. Whole mill, two percenter mill. So I guess you know this idea about. Brand identification and taking basically taking it all too seriously. So it makes me think. Okay, one percent. If you talk about one percenters in terms of troublemakers, is it also somehow that a very small percentage of a very small percentage of people who so. I'm I'm trying to make this big statement. Dustin is fussing about a, a centipede on the floor, which will hurt no one. There's Are no reason. Are we asking if there's a centipede? It's right there. Is. There's no reason oh, to. Sorry. You, just leave it to me. Squirrel. God damn it! Seriously, not even a squirrel. A centipede. <laughs> <laughs> we interrupt this podcast because of a small insect that can't hurt anybody. And I'm the one that gets yelled at for. I know. Secondary conversation. Well, and, and in your defense, in his defense. He is psychologically programmed to notice these things. Yeah. <laughs> Shiny objects distract me. As Merritt okay, would say. But Merritt was into a great finish. point. About, I, I interrupted. I'm exactly. sorry. So I was just trying to say that the person, so you get kind of leaders or outspoken people in these clusters, whether it's BMW riders, whether mm-hmm. it's Harley, and that there's certain people we know that crowd behavior is one person does their thing. If you get a second person to join, then you're going to get the flood of people. So if you get one goofy guy who's a you know fundamentalist Harley guy, right. not in the good way. And then you get a second guy, and then you get another one, and now they're all... Harley only. You know, well, but, but there aren't that, that many people who really feel that. What do you call them, V-twin-jellicals? V-twin a lot of times, <laughs> you, you can be, it's almost like you can be loud or you can be smart. You can be loud or you can be, be smart. Yeah. You're right. So there's That's the, true. Oh, you have sometimes, and so often, even in society, you have yeah. the loudest man in the room You know, the, is shouting out the, the most intelligent man who's sitting in the room saying, back there sharpening is, his spear. Like Donald, Donald Trump you know? is the this Harley Davidson of presidential candidates. Right. 
But, but doesn't it seem that it's based <laughs> on the amount that you have invested in the amount you have invested yes. in what you're doing? Yes, like, like absolutely. Us. I mean, a lot of us. I mean, we have nice bikes. And we have a. And we right. grew up with shitty bikes. I mean, right. you know, my bike costs more than your bike, so I have a right to be louder about yeah. it. But we all look but at everybody's bike. Well, we meanwhile, like as far as percentage yeah. of the income goes, yeah. right. And that's another thing is, if you do base it, there's an interesting, there's probably a very good survey that we could do that shows percentage of your income. <clears throat> if you looked at percentage of my income that goes into my motorcycle, quote, lifestyle, assless chaps included... <laughs> Uh, we would say Phil, that it's a huge. All chaps are assless. Be careful, we have your be careful, we have your accountants. No, we do, well. and she knows. I'm not his accountant. No, no, but no, she also no. knows. There's a whole big part of our backyard that used to have grass in it that now has a shrine to like 62 motorcycles in a 1978 Fiat, right? So there's not Fiat Fiesta. Fiesta. I always your do landscape that. Looks really nice. It is beautiful. If it was a 78 Fiat, it would be a pile of rust. <laughs> a big brown Trust spot. Trust me, it was a 78 Fiesta. It's a pile of rust, too. <laughs> this one's abnormal. But, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, when people say the that, when people use the biker the biker analogy, somebody's trying to get it. When people use the biker analogy, it always is tough for me because I would never outwardly call myself a biker because I know in this country I'm it's a been motorcyclist. mutated. Yeah, right? Yeah. But I am a biker. Yeah. For fuck's sake! I mean, I ride a bike goddamn every day. Right. You know. And, right. I'm a motorcyclist. Mm -hmm. I'm a motorcyclist. <laughs> oh, look at this crew! Holy cow! You hello. walked right in the middle of a podcast. Well, we are at well, uh, we're at minute number forty-nine. Oh, here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. I think we should continue. My God, on the we got the whole Smith crew. He's brought the whole clan. Most of the clan with us. Oh yeah, we're a couple of guys late. Yeah, we're a couple of dudes late. Yeah. Hi, the Smith family. Yes. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Tristan, it's been a long time since you've yeah, been on a podcast. Yeah. Jeez. You must, yes. you must be a saint. <laughs> oh, oh sir. How are you doing? Yeah. Yikes. Tristan so, hasn't been around since the uh, uh, the motorcycle show podcast. The lovely yeah. Mrs. Smith. It's nice so to see you. We were talking you. a little bit about one percenters. And we were talking about one percenters, exactly. Yeah. So my bud, one buddy goes to a particular bike night. I don't Details are important, but it, right. it's a, it was a uh, pulls in. He goes to his normal bike night. Well, here are the Hell's Angels in there. Okay, all so right. They're kind of running the show this right. night. Uh, okay, so it's on so, the east side. Uh, what's I forget the name of the bar. Oh, I think Scoundrels maybe or something. Yeah. Like. So to hear him tell the story, you know, you go in there and you show up and you're everything. Well, now all these Hell's Angels are there, and right. I, and, and they are the true one percenters because they're mm. like. They're not going in the bar because right. a they're carrying. Right. They're not drinking because they're they got a whole. Other they're game quote going. on the clock. They're they're on taking the clock. care of business. They're taking care of business. Yeah. And yeah. it was to the point where then he noticed that as guys were riding out, yeah, some guy would accidentally like kind of walk in front of the the bike as they got out to the road, yeah, and hold them up for a minute, and another guy was taking a picture of their license plate. So they were running this little game where really? somehow. Huh. These hell's angels, and he's like, they'll steal your bike. He's like, they'll, he's like, they're they're key. They're like, they're fine. They got somebody who'll run your plate. They'll find out where you live, and then they'll go take your motorcycle uh, or something. Uh, oh wait, I'm sorry. Asserted, there was an assertion made that that was, uh, yeah. So but actually, in any case, he actually like he actually put his thing over his license plate and took off. And they, yeah. and he's like, and sure enough, I pulled up and the guy walked out in front of me. 
And then, then the other guy came over the back, and he was like, well, what the... And then he was took like, a picture. Oh. And I, took off, and I got around the corner. Do you think that there's some chance that maybe that particular club uh, and the and the local chapter of the, the Hells Angels are maybe concerned over who has, quote, I hate to use this term, the turf? Yeah. And that know. they're trying to be like, well, this is our turf, and if you're going to be here and you're going to be coming in, then you got to give us our respect. I think it's it very like, weird. This is the Hell's Angels, and they're scoping out. They're looking at this crowd. These are all these people who showed up on their ninth hour leave. Oh, yeah. And they're like, these people aren't real bikers. We're the one percenters. Yeah, but I can't yeah. imagine the Hell's Angels making a lot of money stealing Harley Davidson's. seems well, like there'd be better ways to make there's, money. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of better ways to. Yeah. Uh, it feels like stealing a motorcycle is a good way to get they, caught. They they really right. frown on stealing motorcycles. Yeah, I would think they would. Right? Then too, it was yeah. like uh, there was like a money raffle yeah. one off or something. And the pot was supposed to be like fifteen grand. You know? Oh yeah. And then my buddy's like, "Yeah, good luck making it out of there with fifteen grand." And, you know, whole, you know, like. Yeah. I would assume at this point, I guess my my motorcycle background has been so jaded over these years that I would assume that the Hell's Angels were at a corporate level of malfeasance <clears throat> that they would be pulling off sort of second-tier white-collar crimes at this point. Like more <laughs> you know? Oliver North-type arms. I guess I would be thinking, like, yes, yes, exactly. Like tanker trucks full of guns and shit. They ain't the and, sons you know, of anarchy. Maybe, maybe indeed, yeah. Maybe, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't think that as an organization that is so big and has developed into something so large, where so many motorcycle enthusiasts aspire to be an outlaw biker... And the pinnacle of being an outlaw biker would be to be a Hells Angels, wouldn't it? Yeah, one of the big five, yeah. Right? So wouldn't it seem like you'd have like an, basically a never-ending list of potential recruits? I think people... It could aspire, be really fucking choosy. People aspire <coughs> not to be the outlaw they, but to seem the essence... The, oh, the there's essence, a whole the appearance of the lot of pretending. But a lot of them don't really understand, yeah. and I've heard some stories yeah. from another friend of mine yeah. who's, who dive, dove into that whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, and like some of the like really like over the top evil stuff that happened mm-hmm. at the some biker rants, you know, supposedly like the Amish dude that they kidnapped and chained to a tree. Well, don't you like think that, that maybe like, these are just criminals who happen to have a motorcycle habit? Exactly. As opposed to being like motorcycles created this thing? Because I don't think that is. I think it's just that these guys are just criminals that happen to be into motorcycles. If you took away the bikes, they'd still be criminals. You know? <laughs> they would. It's a factual <laughs> statement. It'd be right there's the a lot. There's, you know, to a certain extent, I think they bring in a certain level of legitimate people too. Just, yeah. I mean, there's. Well, you gotta have a little bit of smokescreen. Yeah, you gotta have some nice looking people that are out there that can stand up and represent your people and make you look not so crazy. You ever met a Jehovah's Witness? The ones that come to your door have just got their shit together. To me, it's right. all sort of juvenile. It's like you didn't grow up past like, oh, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do I'm bad. I'm gonna. And the only thing that matters is how tough you are. Well, joining. Like, like, there's that sense of family yeah. that comes from joining a gang, no matter what the gang is, that is <coughs> missing in a lot of people's lives. And you know, people. And that's how a lot of guys go to that. Right. It's because they don't have. They don't have a strong family background, or. Right. So yeah. I think this can um, reflect on this whole idea of certain brand or certain kind of motorcycle, this idea of human development that, you know, on one level, okay, you know, you know what brand you like, maybe it's because that's what your dad rode or Mm -hmm. the first thing you rode or it was the thing that caught your eye when you were in junior high or whatever, that, 
you know, that you can only go so far as to say, I love this bike and right. I love everything like it. Whereas people who are a little bit higher developed or more into it, you know, as right. Steve was saying, like, when this is, well, see, so you're talking yeah. Maslow now, you're talking Whoa. my stuff. <laughs> Easy. So, Easy with the big words there, buddy. So, but, but I think, I mean, that stuff, that pyramid's real. So yeah. I think, you know, that this This table idea. looks like we're on the lowest level of the pyramid. <laughs> based, on, based on the selection, obviously. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, mm. that, you know, so... <laughs> No matter what kind of thing you're into, whether it's motorcycling or anything else, right. there's just people who can only be at that point where they've limited loyalty. Oh, yeah. But then the further your development is, the greater your perspective, you can see, well, we're all motorcyclists. Whether oh, yeah. you ADV rider, sport bike rider, cruiser, you know, whatever, yeah. it's all all for one and one for all. Well, Truly. I'm going to bet that you own 100% more motorcycles than any other person in your district. Yes, who rides. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yes, I do. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, the, uh, I, you know, when you were talking about um, brands, I yeah. was just thinking about how I wear all that very loosely. I don't right. really care. You don't I identify have with brands. Several different brands that, right. that are bikes that I would ride, and I don't even care what. I don't even care. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that say that my favorite one is the one I'm on at the moment. That's yeah. what I say. That's your, yeah, that's that's your line. line, yeah. I like my and nephew. We were talking about girlfriends. He said, the next one's the best one. Yes. <laughs> the next <laughs> one's the best one. <laughs> Plus one. <laughs> the next one's the best one. I hope we didn't have one. a current one. <laughs> 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 the that next is so true one. with motorcycles, because it's but, always like the next one you get is the best bike you've ever owned. Oh, my God. Well, for at least for the first few weeks. Yeah. And then you sure. ride another one. I'm the other way, where I go just like... I get, I get into the thing that I'm into, and then all of a sudden I'm like, that that next one is so fucking different. Like, I get really excited about the K-pipe because it was different than everything else. And it is fun, and it's silly, and it's stupid, right? And I never used it as a daily driver everywhere I went. But, God, I had fun blasting around on it, you know? And, like, that is, to me... What makes something exciting is that it's just radically different. That well, it's, they're learning tools to me, yeah. too. So I like to get something new mm-hmm. to take it apart and to mm-hmm. see how it works. And then to it, it keeps you your mind fresh, it does. I think. It well, does comparing and contrasting things is a great thing for your mind. It keeps things really interesting. Whereas if you're inclined to just be like one brand, one kind... Mm-hmm. That, there's no growth mindset there. There's no. Well, they said the f- highest form of happiness is when you're doing something new and doing it well. Yeah. I think it's, it's so a true. new bike that's running really great yeah. is make you very make happy. Make you really happy. Yeah, it's yeah. true motorcycle enthusiasts. I think we all just have brand ADD. How did you feel yeah. when you came back <laughs> off that Super Glide the other day? Not impressed. Right. I mean, so that's your first time you've ridden a big V-twin. Yeah, I, I put tires on it. I did a right. full I mean, this is a everything. correct running bike. Yeah. It's running as good as it can run. It's carbureted, but it was right. It was nice. It did run. Set it started up very nice. Idled, set up very nice. We put an air charger on it. We put brand new tires on it. We went through the bike. It had a full safety inspection. This was as good as a Super Glide from 2005 could be. I could not believe that I got off of 1,400 cc's. Mm. Yeah. It was so unremarkable. I was like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> that's all it has? Yeah. Because, I mean, I've been on 600cc sport bikes that yeah. will rip your arms off. Yeah. How about a Zero? <laughs> yeah, and, and the Zero, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and this thing, I mean, when I was coming back... The front I, didn't get light on you? 
<laughs> not, not at all. Oh, it has an air dam, too. It has an air dam at the bottom of the motor. It does. There's an air dam, a lower fairing. It has a lower fairing just at the bottom of the motor. Just to make sure. Just to yep. make sure you don't get that front end light. <laughs> well, when, when I was coming back from my usual test run yeah. route, coming down Tyler, I was like, I'm going to give it the full beans and right. see what she's got. And I was like... Just crack her wide open. I'm like, that's it? That's what she does. And it, mm-hmm. it did a great job at turning gasoline into decibels. And yeah. that was about it. Yeah. It is a it is a dinosaur powered yeah. sound system. But I I can say I can say also that I didn't hate it. That was what I was wanting to hear. I wanted to hear I you do that. I did not hate because it. I know that the longer you work at the shop, the more you're going to weir- ride some weird shit. Yeah. And like I wanted to hear whether or not you hated it. No, I didn't. Yeah. It's something that I would actually be happy to just cruise around the neighborhood on or take out for. A, a ride. It was comfortable. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the super far forward controls. Yeah, it, it had, had mid controls. Yeah, mid controls. So it was a nice riding position, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a totally manageable, completely tame bike. But it just cracked me up that I'm like, fourteen hundred cc's is tame. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, it's basically like your Fiat I motor, know. eighty-eight <laughs> cubic inches. Yeah. You know yeah, what? but I actually—it was an—it was an enjoyable ride. But uh, I was—I was. I was not it's impressed. low to the ground. Your feet are—it's yeah. easy to get your feet down. It never yeah. got angry. No, <laughs> not, not one bit. <laughs> there was no anger except for the sound of the raging like bulldogs uh, barking behind me. See, I never—I I don't mind riding Harley's. Hey, but bra, uh, my bra, loud pipes save lives, yeah. bra. <laughs> but but my rule to get killed on the but, zero. At least with my rule. For cars too is one horsepower per cubic inch. Yeah. Okay. And if you get one horsepower per cubic inch, the engine's running. It's designed correctly. I guess I could see that transition. I mean, at sure. least, at least, I should say, at least one. Yeah. Horsepower yeah, yeah per I could see that. Inch. That seems pretty fair. I was, I was, I, I've broken that down with like a Trail ninety, which puts out like it's a ninety cc. Right. And I think it puts out like eight or nine eight horsepower. horsepower tops. If you translated Seven. that into a big yeah. block V eight, which is three hundred and fifty cubic inches, Spaceship. you would have like a seven eight hundred horsepower <laughs> motor. Oh yeah, the buddies put out nine horsepower. <laughs> right. I mean, Which the buddies are nine or ten horsepower for one hundred twenty five cc. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Something I meant to say about zeros when you're riding around the zero. Yes. How, how hot was it out today? Oh, hot as balls. Did you get all that heat coming off the bike or anything? No, 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 no. no, no. That was another big plus that I had thought about when we were down at Mid-Ohio and I was riding around. (laughs) Riding the Zero. Because I I was riding around on my KLR and I'm like, this thing, the fan kept kicking on. I'm like, it's kind of You got to ride the Zero? Oh, yeah. At Mid? No, it was impossible. That's a I, lie. How did, you, stole how did you pry lies I off of it? I stole it from her to try to... I, Seriously. She oh, was, shit. She was over-talking with Knack. I, would, knack. I was actually convinced that that zero had actually become part of her. And she had absorbed it like the board. <laughs> she, no, she was talking with uh, I think Paul Smith or one of those guys over there. Oh, she was distracted and by I a said, celebrity. And I said to, I said to Knack, I'm uh, like, I'm going to show her one of the drawbacks of an electric yeah. motorcycle. Did you steal her bike? So I went over, I jumped on, turned it on. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, I took off. and you fucking stole her bike and she didn't know you took it. And I, I, I ran around and then I got held up by some guy. I went I was went up and down the one aisle and the next aisle over. Mm-hmm. He was like, huh? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's an electric bike. And I, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. We're over here. We're right. stop over. He's like, this is really cool because I own a, you know, he, he had had, he was into RC cars and he's like, yeah, we had the gas RCs. And then now the electric stuff's come out and it's awesome. Yeah, it is. He's like, that's the, the interaction yes. in motorcycles. You got it. Yeah. Like, it's like, an really RC you can ride. Exactly. <laughs> Good point. So then by the time I came <laughs> back, I felt a little bit bad that she had already left <laughs> on the 
the bike that only she couldn't kickstart. Oh God! Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll never get tired of watching Liza. Sorry, Liza. Sorry. Yeah, no, let's not do that. I'll never get tired of watching her try to kickstart that XT350, and then not coming over and starting. In no, one then kick. fucking, then freaking uh, Jarrett. Jared, oh, yeah, who's picks- 16 years old. The kid. The kid. The kid walks up, gives it one kick, and it's like... So I was just like, compression, wow. Automatic compression. Oh, yeah, yeah, automatic automatic compression. compression. You know what? I, I feel for her with that. Because <laughs> if you don't know... It, I mean, if you... Liza though, was stroking that You get it shaft. right to the top. She was you, like, look, look, look. I'm going to find TDC. Da, 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 find TDC. No, you're not. No, you're no, not. You're not. No, you know what? You know, you know the best way to start that bike? Walk up, turn key, spread. Right. Right. Kick. Kick it. Forget Kick everything it. you Forget know. everything yeah, you've been yeah. trained to do. Which is why Jarrett ma- managed to do it. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. he didn't yeah. come in with He doesn't. He didn't come in with any preconceived notions. No, I understand why she couldn't start with He has no idea. He never read Kevin. Oh, and our, our little boy is about to become a man. Look, I, have you met my wife? Drop? <laughs> no, he's he's taking the MSF this weekend. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. boy's becoming a man. Aww. He took his first illegal road trip. Clap trap the other day. No, it's perfectly legal. Mm-hmm. He's, got oh, he's on his temps. Yeah, he's on his temps. Yeah, he's on his temps, and he was wearing a helmet. Huh? So yeah. perfectly legal. Not right. So wait, so can we can we come up with something that we can say or like when you run into people who yeah. are. <clears throat> Brand blind, yeah, or you yeah. know, br- so yeah. brand centric right. to the point of alienating. If others, it ain't a Harley, it ain't shit. Taking all the fun, or I consider or myself into, bike curious. My dad had yeah, t-shirt. Like, like some like, humor. You gotta have some humor. Well, I have a question for every. Over. I have a question for the room. I would like to go around the circle, and I would like to have each person name the car and or motorcycle, preferably just the car that their father identified with strongly. Okay? Mm. And then, yes or no, do you identify with that same vehicle strongly today? Start with Chris Smith, Wait, my life. when left. you say identify, can you, I might need more information. Do I identify <laughs> it or do, do I feel a positive thing towards it? Okay, let's do part one first. Chris Smith, what's the, the car that your father identified with strongly, unless it was a motorcycle, when you were a child? Was he a what man? Horse and buggy. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that, Johnny Crone. Wow. <laughs> the horse was dead. Thank you. <laughs> it was uh, one a, horsepower. A Corvair station wagon. Oh, my Lord. Dude, your I've dad was a deviant. That. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Corvair Lord. station wagon. I bet you that was the hottest place to be Ralph ever Ralph Nader's turnover in his grave right he now. He loved it in the winter because <laughs> it was rear-wheel drive. Yeah. Or front-wheel yeah. drive. No, it was rear-wheel no, drive. Rear-wheel drive with the rear over the back end. Yeah. Way over the back end. he called it the cat. The cat. It handled like a cat. He loved it. So would you say that your dad identified with Chevy? Was he a Chevy man? Because that's a Corvair is a Chevy. Yeah. Yeah, was we, he a GM guy? Like, um, yeah, his probably. dads do that. Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But let me switch to his motorcycle. Yeah, it was his motorcycle. So he, he, he was a World War II vet. Okay. Went went to college and then went back to North Africa and bought a British uh, uh, military bike. Mm-hmm. Bought a Norton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and rode around uh, North Africa and Palestine, wow. and uh, up through uh, Italy mm-hmm. and France. Met my mom in 1954. 
up in Strasbourg, France. Wow. Jesus Christ. But, but I always think about yeah. the Norton that he bought from the British military, and that's why I bought the... That's why you bought the Royal Enfield yep. military, yep. right? Look at that. So that's really cool. Now, when he came back to the States after that marriage, yeah. did he also did he continue to ride motorcycles? He was a, a father. Once he, he had was, kids, he was, he life was, gets in the way, as we say. He was, he was grounded. You know what? Yep. Life I had a gets in the wonderful way. ride with my nine-year-old daughter on the back of my bike, we cruised down through the park, and we did went up over the hill. She doesn't like going up Wooster Hill. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Took her out yeah. on the highway because she said don't. And then, <laughs> and then we I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming into this. And then if you haven't been to, you need to be to the Gorilla on Madison Avenue down towards 117th and Lakewood. Mm-hmm. As they have a big, huge gorilla, and it's an ice cream shop slash rib joint. Yeah. What? It's fucking yeah, bar, fantastic. Yeah, bar, yeah, north side of the street. Really? Yeah, past the... Oh, uh, it's right where that Payless Shoe Bird Store used to be? Debbie at Birdtown. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, anytime you post a Facebook of a bike, yeah. you should ride down there and park in front of that and big-ass that, gorilla. gorilla. That sounds good. Okay, Dustin. Dad, was your dad a what guy? Uh, my dad did not ride motorcycles, no, but although he likes them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, never throughout my life was he really particularly in any particular brand of car, but he okay. always did talk about, right when him and my mom met, uh, he had a, I want to say it was a 68, uh-huh. maybe a 66 Ford Mustang. He calls back fond memories of that Mustang, And he, he loved that car. He loved that car. Yeah. Dang. Wow. He really loved that car, and he yeah. always talked about, yeah, I went back when I had my Mustang. So he really identified with that. Yeah, he wow. really identified There's with that car. There's a root beer float, and then what Johnny's got there is just a, a beer, yingling float. A beer <laughs> float. That's a beer float. Mm-hmm. That's what he had a beer float in the can right there. Long. All right. He, he did have a moped when he was younger. But, ah, uh, what was your dad's car? My dad had no brand loyalty. He didn't? No, he... First car I remember is... Mm-hmm. He was uh, mercenaries. Yeah, Oldsmobile. Whatever he get the best deal Oldsmobile, Simca... Volkswagen. Yeah. Simca. So him Fair, and three other guys Fairmont. bought it. <laughs> he bought every shitty car you could possibly buy. Really? You think he was just price-based? Fairmont, yeah. Fairmont, yeah. Uh, Citation. Yeah, wow. Mm. And then now he drives Nissans. Okay. So yeah. he was purely price-based? Pretty much. It was just utilitarian and with the best price. I think the only car he ever even had... Dude, if you own this Simca, that's like saying a twinkle in his Simca, eye. Yeah, baby. 53 <laughs> Mercury convertible. Well, yeah. Okay. But that's when he was in high school, but right. it's like all of us. I mean, that's the car you're having I mean, sex in. You're going to love it. Right. Right? That's why, dad's, that's why his dad loves show. the 68 he hated, Mustang. He always hated motorcycles. Yeah. He would. He died every time I got on a motorcycle. He, he said that when like he was it. a kid, he was oh. riding with my grandfather. Yeah. And some biker went over the tracks yeah. and oh. wiped out, and he was wearing a leather helmet. When they got to him, they took the helmet. They took that leather helmet off, and his brains were like all yeah. over the road. Scrambled eggs. Baby. So he, so he said he, he, he would never let me get a license. I had, I rode illegally till, yeah. till uh, I was eighteen when I could get my own license. Wow. But, uh, Johnny Chrome, what did your parental figure identify as? <laughs> my dad, despite working for Chevrolet, was a Ford truck guy. Really? Did they make him park all the way in the back? <laughs> back then they did not. Yeah, they were just back, happy. With, back then yeah, they did not showing up to work as a positive. I mean, when I was so, a little kid, when the when the Japanese cars started coming out, they did like flip Jap cars over. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> bust the windows out and pour paint down the the dash vents. 
of some of the Japanese because there were people that were ballsy enough right to work for Chevy and buy what was the first Honda Dotson. Civic the little Honda well, 600 Honda whatever the CECC the Datsun or the Honda 600 I mean yeah. but no he didn't have to park cool. in the back he was a Ford truck guy though loved Ford but trucks but he loved Ford trucks even though he worked at Chevy uh, was not a motorcycle owner yeah but had very good friends that were yeah and was totally into the Harley Davidson. <clears throat> you know, yeah. he owned the shirt that said, "You know, if you don't have a Harley, you don't have shit." Right. Better a sister, a in a, better a sister in a whorehouse than a brother on <laughs> a Honda. Right. You know, yeah. and no, he did not. But yeah. he and a friend he who also he had a friend who also worked at Chevy. Yeah, I remember this distinctly. Rebuilt his seventy the the friends seventy six Harley Davidson in the. The, the winter of the big blizzard, so it was 77, mm-hmm. 78? 77, 78, yeah. You know, yeah. this is a bike that leaked every fluid that it had. And it was the winter of 77, but so the bike was a of, year old. Yeah, yeah, brand new bike. Now think about this, think about this. Imagine, if you will, you can buy a brand new motorcycle. Warranty. You buy a brand new motorcycle, yeah. and you're going to take it down, completely down in your kitchen, yeah. and rebuild it. Rebuild it. What? Yeah. Because you're loyal to but Harley that's the type. Yeah, that's the type of mentality. I can guarantee you wouldn't have done that to a 76 Kawasaki KZ. Oh, no. Right. Honda, exactly. no, or any Honda. No, 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 no. Right. But that was, that was, that the, was the mindset, you know? That's, yep. There's one choice, or else you're, you know, a career yeah. or whatever. I mean. Yeah. Merritt, what did your dad identify with? Well, so my great-grandparents were Chrysler, 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 always. This is a factual statement. And Jesus Chrysler. Jesus Chrysler. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But then, so the car that my dad talks about was his Triumph TR... No, he had a Spitfire. Oh, Spitfire, yeah. Yeah, Spitfire 1500. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's what he had, yeah. and then he had lots that of That was definitely his... Oh, High school car. college car. The purple, yeah. The purple Spitfire. Purple, yeah. purple, purple and people eater. And then have a purple Dodge Challenger. <laughs> oh, also the purple Dodge Challenger right. is one that yeah. he so Chrysler again. Yeah. And then he had See the what's happening here? VW was it, was station plum, wagon. Was it plum and then crazy? Lots, it was plum crazy. Was plum. Nice. And then yeah. he had a series hey guys, of Hondas. Merritt's talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. So up to Chef Fuck. <laughs> the uh, so it was it was it was bred into him to like Chrysler products. Yep. And then he followed suit because when I met he you guys, back, he had, he had a fucking New Yorker mm-hmm. that was a disaster. Like it talked, it 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 was a talking we had car. Two talking there was there's his, a beautiful New Yorker. His grandmother yeah. had a LeBaron that was a talker. I owned a '79 New Yorker. It actually talks. To your door is a jar. Your door, your air, your coolant level is low. No, dude, it's a door. Your, your steering wheel is a cup. <laughs> your steering wheel is not pointing in the right direction. Right. Your left passenger door is unlocked. Yeah. Remember your keys. Like these cars talk to you. They had really really bright LCD displays, and. You can dim it. It UK. wasn't nice like yep. Siri Thank either. You. Thank you, uh, Lee Iacocca, for pioneering 92? that shit. No, no, no. We had thirty-eight hundred dollars New well, Yorker. No, that's sixty-five. Wow. We Go had, ahead. We had an, like Excuse an eighty-four. Me, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. And like an eighty. Because the <clears throat> K car that we had was was that a white New Yorker? The LeBaron was. The LeBaron my, was, was white. My that was a grandmother's. Yeah. <clears throat> so it was Jeff definitely genetic in your oh, family. Yeah. It was genetic. Yeah, because then he got an LHS. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then, John? Uh, my dad was kind of like car polar. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was, was he bicarious? Bi- <laughs> 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 Dreaming that line up here for 10 minutes. 
So we had a polar. My favorite car that he had was a '63 Cadillac Sedan Deville. Whoa! That sat in the garage that we holy shit for the most part. Fuck is that? Had blankets on it. Yeah, blankets. and you stack shit on top of it. Shit and Daddy get pissed. Well, it was great whenever I had parties out in the garage and wouldn't let people in the house because they steal Ooh. shit. Yeah. That back seat. Oh, open that up. Six people in there, no problem. Or just mad sex. Yeah, that was my favorite part of that car. But uh, in a trunk, you could fit seven bodies Does it have a flamethrower? I don't know. I want to talk to this It guy. has to have. Seriously. But then, and then he had the pickup truck, which I like. Or the, diesel. The 72 C10 Chevy. Right. With the camper top on yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. that was his hunting rig. Right. Well, then what really killed oh, me... Oh, that's so hillbilly of you. What really killed me, though, was his Taurus's, Ford Tauruses showed up in, and found their way to him. And we, yeah. At one point, he had three of them. Yeah. And now, we... I, and it was, it was a pain in the ass, but I had to wash and wax and clean all this food. How old vehicle. would you say your father was the second first Taurus came home? Uh, yes. He was probably 50. 50. Yeah. Like because before that, giving up all hope. He ended up with three Tauruses, and I don't think he bought any of them. Because at the end, of, at the, the time he was getting Stole. into the Ford Taurus game, it was right. like people were like, "That's the fucking shittiest car ever right. built." So they were basically given away, given away. Five hundred dollars Taurus. You know, it went from he got the Fairmont from my grandpa, and then when my grandpa <laughs> worked his way through the Taurus, then he got the free Taurus. Yeah. And then, well, somebody else had a Taurus, and right. so he gave him a little bit of money for that one. Yeah. And somebody was going to junk this one, so he grabbed that one and <clears throat> put too much money into him. And I, the problem is, maintaining the Cadillac like it was a show car right. was okay. Right. Maintaining the truck like it was a show truck was kind of okay. Yeah. But then maintaining three, I had to keep three Tauruses... Wash, wax, polish, and fucking armor all. Jesus like Christ. I had a whole fucking fleet of <laughs> show Tauruses. The fleet of <laughs> show Tauruses. And I'm like, what the fuck am I putting all this and work on Sunday in morning and put lipstick on pigs. <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, if this was a fucking Corvette or something. The fleet like that, of Tursadies. Anything. <laughs> anything but a Taurus. I've seen the conversion kits for those. I would be okay with this, but I just hate it. <laughs> Tori. Yeah. Tori. 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 Right, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, like, try Tori. Uh, my, dad was, my dad was, you know, born in 41. He went to Collinwood High School. He was a greaser. He had a 50 Merc. Arguably nice. one of the coolest cars on the planet. Nice. He had a 53 Ford that he did all the stuff that kids did to him back then. Those were great cars, too. Cut them up. Shoebox. Right. <clears throat> shoebox. Fucking beautiful shit, right? Then he bought his first adult brand new car that he paid adult brand new money for, which was a 66 Dodge Charger with a 383. Uh, a heavy-duty clutch baby. on a four-speed. <clears throat> yeah, my mom used to drive that. And, like, my mom tells a lot of stories about pulling away from the curb at my school with the posi lit up. <laughs> with the heavy-duty clutch just, just howling, right? Uh, so my dad was not a stranger to cool. But my dad also had not one, but two Nash Metropolitans. Look it up, podcast yeah. listeners. Oh, yeah. Look it up. With continental like kits. <clears throat> and how, what size was your father? My father has never been anything less than 6'4 and 375. <laughs> has never gone over 6'4 and 450. Well done. Yeah. My Uncle John is 6'7. Never been less than 
two seventy five. And they go go around in the nest. My mother <laughs> is not together. My mother. <laughs> they did. Oh yes, they yes, did. Yes, they did, <clears throat> including wow. a one hundred and forty pound Saint Bernard. <laughs> wow. wow. Uncle John, my dad. They had to be all like. And my mom. Shoulder to shoulder. My mom is no dainty <laughs> flower. Okay. She was on the same dietary plan as my father and Michael John was. <laughs> and the St. Bernard, And apparently. the St. Bernard. Yeah, and they would go four deep in a Nash Metropolitan. Whoa. Right. And so Whoa. you'd think that would be... Wow. Eh. And then we got like a 66 Ford Falcon wagon. You know, because I came along. Kids, you got to do things for kids. Got to do the wagon. Yep, got to do the wagon. And then my brother and sister came along, so we got a 75... Oldsmobile Custom Cruiser with the 454. Did it have the window? And the, the window? Well, that was the Vista Cruiser. <clears throat> the Vista had the window Cruiser in the front. The Custom Cruiser had the rear tailgate door that disappeared under the vehicle. Oh, those were I remember those. Yeah, yeah and the glass went up into the those ceiling. Yeah. So all the things that closed the back the of the vehicle, seat in the... it had the sideways fold-down yeah, seat. Yeah, sideways yeah. fold-down So seats. four children, yeah. not just tail gunners pointing at the back. I like the rear face. But it was ones. like a crew cab in the back. Yep. Point, well, no, like a deuce and a half. The kids were all pointing at each other. <laughs> like a deuce. Yeah, so like they, a deuce. They, they go flying out of the back. Chill, oh, fuck yeah. Oh, There's my nothing. Aunt, my aunt had one of those. Four made sheet of plywood. Where did the tailgate door go? It went under the vehicle. And I, you can still drive it that way. My six best kids growing go. up in the 70s yeah. experience was the one big hill in our little hometown. You go up it. Well, my dad came flying up the hill and whatever. And he's like, eh, I can make the light. Couldn't make the light. Yeah. Slammed the brakes. Full Oof. authority. So I was like in the back of the bed of the truck. Right. With the cap on. But we're oh, at, Jesus. And I rolled up and he had a bed there and I yeah. flam, 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 smacked my head on it. Yeah. Then the light changed and he floored oh. it, it on a hill. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Tailgate. <laughs> tailgate. against the tailgate. Oh, no. I was like, you mother. John's experiencing zero gravity. Imagine a truck on a hill (laughs) in a pickup truck. Oh, I got it. And all of a sudden, somebody just nails it. (laughs) Oh, I got it. (laughs) Right against the tailgate. (laughs) But I would say that my dad had. My dad was not a loyalist. I mean, we've talked about that. Like, we've talked about your father. Like, your father, Steve Hoffert's father, was a mercenary. He'd buy the cheapest car he could. My, My dad had. Fucking multi personality disorder of the vehicles, and like he eventually got bought. He did the same thing your dad did at the same age. When my dad turned 1978, so my dad turned 37 years old. He gave up on life because he had me adopted, you know, in 1969, and then my brother and sister came along in '76. You know he was too doing? deep into it. 1978, he got a Dodge Omni. He gave up hope. (laughs) Then you know what happened in 1980? He got another Dodge on me. You know why? Because apparently my mom had given up hope too. Yeah. Here's the deal with my dad. He was like the, like the disformed child that lived under the stairs because all of his cars came from like family members. Oh really? The Cadillac came from my one uncle or whatever. Yeah. And came with a trailer which was a a Ciro Scotty. Uh-huh. That that's what yeah. this '63 Caddy used to pull this trailer. Did for a living was pull the Ciro Scotty. And I wish I had this package today because I would be a cool rig. Out of it. Mm-hmm. it would be awesome. The pickup truck came from my other uncle. Right. The first Taurus came from my grandpa. Yeah. So like my dad was just a scavenger. Like, you're done with that car? Can I have it? Okay. So now that we've all said yeah. that, look around the room and now remember what motorcycles we are and the way we are about our motorcycles. And I know you've brought home some damn near free children. 
right? I'm at the point and where... And you're certainly not a loyalist. You know what? I understand, but if you give it... <clears throat> even if you give me that, yeah. I really don't even know if I could take it home. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you're getting cured. I mean, if it's free... You're getting cured. Yeah. And you haven't been a loyalist. You have not been just a Royal Enfield guy. You haven't just been a Kawasaki guy. You haven't just been a Suzuki guy. You've been all over the place, right? I'm, I'm talking to Chris Smith, whose father was not a loyalist to a brand of car. Correct. And as, as much as we may try to leave our fathers behind, there's a certain thing that's happening here. But I am a loyalist. We, Honda. I mean, well, you're clearly, yeah, you're the Honda down. whisperer. No yeah. shit. I'm yeah. totally gay for Honda. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's we are at an hour Camaro for Honda. Fantastic. I see, well, can I just say one? Can of course just, you can. It's your podcast. Can we, it's your podcast. No, it's your <laughs> podcast. I just want to bring Welcome you back to the Steve Hoffer to, Show. <clears throat> What do we say to somebody who comes up to us? Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever resolve that. Okay. But what I always say is, do you, I ask the guy, do you like to ride? Right. And they're going to say yes. Yeah. Whether they say no, I don't like to ride. <laughs> and you, all you have to t- say is, well, I like to ride, too. I like to ride, too. It doesn't really matter. We're both riding. And right. what are they going to say? They right. can't really say anything beyond that. I mean, they right. could still kick your ass. What do you like? I think that's a beautiful thing to say, though. It's just really simple. The next question out of your mouth should be, do you want to get a beer? (laughs) And that really is, I think, that the idea of people who are intentionally sending a message that they don't want you around, that they don't want you in their party, that probably the best solution is to fucking leave. Because do you really want to be there? You know, I really don't think that I have missed out on anything. Anytime somebody said, you know what, this is our game here and you're not cool enough to play in this game, it would probably be better if you fucked off. Well, you know what, it's probably the best decision to fuck off. Because I really don't want to be in that camp. Now, I've also had some great, fantastic, awesome experiences that I thought were going to be like... Well, this probably won't be a whole lot of fun, but I'll go anyway and we'll see what happens. That was the Madonna and Beastie Boys concert for me in like 1980, what was that, 85 or 6? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like, yeah, that was like where I was like, well, I don't know what it's going to be like, but this girl I'm dating, she seems to be pretty into this Madonna girl. And these Beastie Boys guys seem to be all right, and they're open up for it. Let's go see what they had the big giant dick on stage? It was pretty epic. Yeah, it was one of the greatest concerts of my life. And that's why I really do think it's like the more that you do go out and embrace that shit that is interesting to you and do it, and if it's motorcycle related, it it turns out to be a good time. Whether it's the mid-Ohio type thing, or whether it's like your first track day, or you're going to go to a bunch more track days, uh, you got to try it. you you got to go out and see what it's like. And if there's a bunch of assholes telling you that you're not welcome there, you probably don't want to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. Probably not the thing for you. Fair enough. That's cool, man. Hey, uh, you weren't here last week, and we had to fucking uh, sing our sing our asses out without you. Yeah. So, so what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, drive fast and take chances. <laughs> 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 <laughs>